I'm really excited about this study is the more I dig into this, I found it more profound about the parallels of what Josiah the king does and what we experience or what we're experiencing and seeing in America. We have to keep in mind there's nothing new under the sun. So, you know, whatever we're seeing here in America that grieves our souls, this has been happening since the beginning of time. And, uh, you know, and Josiah caught my attention as I was reading where it says, As like unto him there was no king before him that turned unto the Lord with all his heart, might, and soul, according to the law of Moses, and there was no king after him that arose like unto him. That's a, that's a profound statement by God about this king, and I thought that was worthy of our study. And our, So we're going to spend the next couple weeks and whatever time God wants us to allot to this this particular individual because there's a lot of great things you're going you're gonna to see that he did, but you're also going to realize that there's a parallel here with America and where we face. So a little brief background for some of the folks that weren't here last week. Josiah was king at age eight. He had a grandfather, Manasseh, who was as wicked as any king that was around. For 55 years, God let that evil go on under that king. And then Ammon, his father, ruled for a short period of time. And then at age 8, Josiah becomes king. At age 16, he comes to trust in the Lord. That's what the Bible says. So assuming he got saved at age 16, at age 20, he starts to clean up the nation of Israel. He realizes without the word of God has to be what was passed down to him. He realizes something's wrong with where we are at. He starts cleaning this mess up that Manasseh left. I call it demasinizing the nation of Israel. At age 26, the word of God is discovered. So it had been gone for some time, decades. The word of God had been hidden like a famine. And all of a sudden, he hears about it through the high priest. He hears about the judgments of God. He wants to know, what does this mean? We, are we under the curse of God? He gets to a, a prophetess, Hulda, and finds out that the nation's about to be judged like Israel, the northern tribes, had been judged. So the judgment was immutable and unchangeable and eminent. And, and so when he hears that word and he hears about God's judgment and what they've done, he, with his tender heart, he rents his clothes and he weeps before God and he moves God to change the judgment while he's still king. Instead of judging him while he's king, God says, I'm going to hold off until after you're, you're dead. I'm going to hold off the judgment. So the judgment's still coming no matter what they do, but the fact is he held off because of the way Josiah responded to what God's word said. That we can move God. America can move God. America's a mess right now. And I, I got to tell you, I wake up a lot and say, there's just no hope for America anymore. But then I'm reminded God can do whatever he wants to do, and he can take his people and people that aren't right and yielding to God and bring them to a place of repentance to realize, get things right, and God can move, and perhaps, because I believe the judgment of God is coming on this nation if it's not already here. And so we'll see that the parallels here. And so I want to kind of briefly just talk to you a little bit about repentance. We all know, understand, it's about change. Change of heart, change of attitude, um, and typically... God expects our repentance and change to be followed by action. Okay, God, I, I see it, I'm broken about it, and God says, okay, what are you going to do about it? 
So there's, a, there's an action with the attitude. Now, God's interested in the attitude first. You're not going to go out and do something and then have the attitude. It's the attitude that God sees and then the action that takes place. That's what Josiah is doing. So Josiah knows the judgment's coming no matter what, but yet he chooses to do right because it's right to do. And that's what we were talking about last week. He chooses to do right because it's right to do. And he starts to take action. In fact, he takes 12 action steps when he cleans up the nation of Israel and he goes up to clean the northern uh, tribes as well, the northern nation uh, that still exists. So when we talk about 2 Kings, and those of you who have studied, read your Bible through or are reading your through, it's an exhaustive portion of Scripture, Second, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. There's a lot of repetitiveness. And so, but Second Kings deals with the negative change. He, did, he purged this. He took this away. He, it's all about what he needed to do to clean things up that was left inherited by his grandfather Manasseh. So it deals with putting away. It's theological in nature, the, the king's the study of kings are. But when you get to Chronicles, it's, it's more chronological in nature. And so it deals with more positive change. So the negative and the positive. In, in 2 Kings, you have a putting away, the purging of the land, the cleaning house for all the sins and idolatry and the wickedness. And it, it, the depth of wickedness is beyond comprehension. But like I said, when you read about it, there's a parallel with America. You'll see this. But when you get to Chronicles, it talks about, hey, they, they cleaned this thing up, but this is the real focus. They worshiped God. They held a Passover. Josiah decides to hold the Passover, and it's like a Passover that was never up in, or from the days of Samuel. So the Passover was kind of taken lightly, but he puts it in, in order after they decide to clean up, and God is really pleased with that because that's how the order of things are with God we got to clean things up, then we worship God. That's always been God's order. And I thought about the New Testament principle of if we want fellowship with God, we want God's power, well, the first thing we got to do is make confession. Confessing our sins, dealing with putting away the things that are not right with God. Then we worship God. So with that thought in mind, let's go to the Lord in prayer and We'll see what God has for us this morning. Father, thank you that we can gather together as your people. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the Holy Spirit, who is our true teacher. Lord, I'm, no, I'm just the, the mouthpiece here as an earthen vessel, but we know that we have this treasure in us, the Holy Spirit, to teach us, to guide us, to instruct us, to help us to understand the things that are important to you. May God you help us this morning in a special way. May you edify your people strengthen them, build them up, and I pray you'll comfort those that need comforting, strengthen those that can continue to walk in faith, and I pray that you, you'll, you'll be glorified in all this and what is said this morning in Jesus' name, amen. So again, the order for us in New Testament is confession and then uh, worship of God. We, all, we, we understand that in a way, but this is all principles found throughout the Old Testament. So here uh, Josiah gets serious first, he puts things away, and then this is followed by worship. Um, there's a lot going on in America today, and I'm not going to get too much in it, but he demasinizes the entire nation, and this is a real serious thing. I mean, 
today we really do have two theological events going on. We have the theology of God and the worship of God, and then we have the theology of the devil. When we get frustrated it's, and we see what's the, the promotion and celebration of abortion, and when we see the, the promotion and the celebration of perverted sex, we, we grieve in our souls, but believe it or not, that is an ideology, that's a theology, that's a worship by people who don't know God. And, and what we see today is what God is dealing with here with his people in the Old Testament. And, uh, you know, th this whole idea of climate change, you know, I'm not here to debate. Climate change, if you read scriptures and you knew scriptures, God's already told you what's going to happen in the future. This thing is going to get so hot. The, 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 the weather patterns are going to change so dramatically in the tribulation. If God doesn't shorten the days, no one will survive. So we have this so-called climate change that's man-made, but really the climate change is part of the judgment of God. And, and what people don't realize is climate change today, the reason why they're pushing the agenda is because it's theological in nature to them. It's, an, it's, a, it's a belief that this earth is their God. And their right is to protect this earth at all costs for their God. Now, I know that's a little deep for some folks, but that's the reality of why people go to the extent they do with climate change, not knowing the scriptures. So... This boy is facing the same thing. But boy, he cleans house. Now today, that's not going to happen. you got too many lawyers, too many courts. you got too much. I mean, if somebody tries to clean house, it, they're just going to line up the lawyers and it has to end up in the Supreme Court. But here, back in this day, this actually takes place. And so there's a real interesting lesson of warning in all this. Israel was supposed to be worshiping God. Now, they haven't kicked God out. They, there's probably a sense of uh, uh, worship of God, a true God, but they in their, incorporated into their worship of God was the worship of Baal and other deities. And it got really ugly and really wicked, and they mingled, co-mingled this idolatry with the worship of God. Now, I know that, that, that just seems... Uh, bizarre to us or foreign to us but believe it or not we are guilty of this at times idolatry is prevalent in our country we may not be bowing down and worshiping stones and and wooden idols and stuff like that but there are other idols out there whether it be sports or hobbies or entertainment or pleasures they could become idols so the principle is the same here and I and there's a, le a lesson of warning and the reason why God was judging this nation, is, or the southern tribes here in this case, is when the lifestyle and the rebellion and sin of a nation enters the church, the body of Christ, and there is no difference between the holy and the unholy, then that becomes a serious problem with God, and it brings his judgment. And that's where Israel is. They didn't see a difference between the holy and the unholy. It's like calling evil good and good evil. And the Bible says, woe unto them that do such a thing. You know, the New Testament, if you read in Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is addressing this issue because they had a lot of idolatrous worship before they got saved. And so he goes in there and says, did you know 
You can't partake. You can't be, take of the cup of the Lord and then the cup of devils. He also says you can't be a partaker of the Lord's table and also be a partaker of the devil's table. And so the warning is very clear. There has to be a distinction between what is holy and what is unholy. And the church has the responsive, bears the responsibility of what is holy for God. In every way, the world should say, the reason why they don't like the church is because the church is supposed to be holy. But when the world starts to see the church is no difference, that's a dangerous place to be. Now, I could do a whole study on what's happening in apostasy and how the churches are, remo are moving themselves away from the truth of God, which is, by the way, prophecy. There shall be a falling away first before the man of sin shows up. The one pastor is talking about, the first thing you should start to see is a falling away. The churches are no longer holding to the truth. They're falling away from it. It's apostasy. And when they fall away from it, it's because they're allowing the world to enter into the church. God is always saying, no, there's beauty in holiness. And so it's God's constant reminder as we read, man, God, these people are so evil. These people constantly idolatry worship. And, and then God's trying to tell us, we got to be careful of that too. And just we, we just have to remind ourselves all the time that God does not uh, care for this. That's why the Bible always talks about be ye separate, be ye separate. Come out and be ye separate and touch not the unclean thing. So here we go with the first action step. And it, I'll read here where he takes the vessels, which is the paraphernalia, and all the objects that were used to worship Baal, he, and he takes the grove and, he, and the host of heaven, the objects that were used to worship the hosts of heaven, which we'll get into this in, at some point in time. That's really important. And he takes them, he burns them. It says without, outside of Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron, and he carries it over to the house of God. That's some, that's some visual. He burns everything they had been using to worship. And, and it was a clear message that he's going to take care of business, that you're only going to worship God and only God. Now, remember the nation, he got the nation to agree with him when he broke, his heart was broken and he wept before God. The whole nation got to hear what God had to say, and the nation responded like Josiah. So true repentance happened. It swept through the tribes, and now the action steps are happening. And so what is the grove? How many times have you read the Bible and said, what is, the, what is a grove? A lot of people think that's just a garden of some sort. But the grove is not anything to do with a garden. The grove is more of a flagpole. Uh, it, it, it came from the uh, term Ashereth, not to be confused with Ashtaroth, but Ashereth is really just a flagpole. So what they would do in the grove or, or create a grove is they would take something that was used to worship God, and they would plant this flagpole, a cultic pole, and it would be used for their pagan god. It was nothing more than a flagpole, which we use to, what, as a banner to promote something. Here, the American flag, or we promote the military flags, or whatever. Well, they used the grove, the, the flagpoles, to represent their deities. So they would put these flags on their grove and then like a tree and they would represent or they would promote and advertise 
for their gods, and it was placed in a temple of worship. So banners to advertise for other false gods. This had been going on for 300 years. So every time you read scripture, you read the grove, the grove, the grove, those are flagpoles advertising deities for other gods, other than the true God. And God hates this. He warns about it in Deuteronomy 16. He says, don't you dare put a grove in my place of worship. He hated it, and he warned them against it, but they didn't listen. So it was a powerful action when Josiah goes in. He rips those poles. He burns them and carries the ashes to the house of God. Something, this boy is something else, man. Second action, he puts down the idolatrous priest. He cleans house, and he fires them from their job. Imagine that. Imagine the church saying, you know what? This, this preacher is not preaching according to the word of God. This preacher is not living according to the word of God. We're going to fire him. That doesn't happen too often in America. But that's what he does. That takes a lot of courage and a lot of bravery. And the reason why he does this is because they were worshiping celestial worship. It's pagan worship that involved the sun, the moon, the stars, and the heavenlies. We call that today astrology. And there's plenty of that going on in America. I was back in New Orleans. I love to just walk around to see what's going on in, uh, out in the parts of New Orleans that I kind of grew up and around. And uh, if there's one thing you'll see a lot of, it's this right here, astrology. If you want to know what your future is, you can sit down with plenty of people who will read you your future. There's about 20 of them in Jackson Square. And they, you can feel the darkness when you pass by. You can sense it from the Spirit of God. Eileen's like, she doesn't like when I take her down there. I, I used to tell her, there was a time I'd go down there to drink till I, was, I couldn't see straight. And then I would go back there and start preaching on the streets. How God can take an old wicked person and change their life. And I can remember, I said, hey, this is the street corner I used to street preach in. And, um, you know, it didn't, like I said, it probably didn't do a whole lot. It made a lot of people, you know, they like to um, get in fights, so to speak, about it. But, you know, somebody's got to be a witness somewhere. But in that same area, they're lined up, astrology, astrologists. And they believe what they're doing, and I'm sure there's a lot of darkness involved. And I'm sure they can tell you something that would blow your mind about the future. This, this subject is going to be real. We're going to talk about this at some point in time uh, in the next couple weeks because this stuff is real. Because remember, Satan is an imitator of what God has created. And there's a lot going on behind the scenes that Satan imitates and gets people to worship. That's what these priests, this is God's people, are worshiping astrology. Now, I'm not here to offend anybody, but... You have no business, none of us as Christians, worrying about what my astrologist or what my uh, horoscope is telling me. Now help me with this. I want to hear. I'm looking out. <laughs> I don't want to be alone here. I'll make you mad. But, you know, I, I've, got, I've, I've Christians I know is like, oh, my horoscope or I was born in June and I, I'm, a, I'm a this and that means I'm this way. Be careful of that. Careful. God hates it. He put down the idolatrous priests. Why? Because they burned incense unto Baal, the sun, the moon, the plants, and the host of heaven. 
All right, we're going to probably end up just closing on this verse, which I have so much. This is a packed um, study. But he brought out of the grove from the house of the Lord, from without Jerusalem, under the brook Kidron. How many times have you read that? Kidron. And burned it at the book, brook Kidron, or Kidron. He stamped it, small the powder, cast the powder thereof upon the graves of the children of the people. So what he does is he actually pulverizes all these objects, and he then he takes the ashes, which, by the way, desecrating a grave is a really bad thing, and he just desecrates all the graves to send a message to the people of the people of the past and the people of the future, don't mess with this stuff. Now, so many times I read the Brook Kidron or the Valley of Kidron, and I've had a lot of, uh, you know, what, what does that mean? Where is that? What is this all about? And um, if you were to look at a map, and Jerusalem's not that big, and, but you have Jerusalem, you have the Eastern Gate, you have the Valley of Kidron with a brook going through, and then as you go up the hill, you have Mount Olives. Now, for those of you who've been to Jerusalem, and you're going to be probably better to testify of this than I am. I'm headed there soon, hopefully, Lord willing, to better see a lay of the land. But Mount Olives in this day was called Mount Corruption. Because Mount Olives, it is, it says in the Bible, Mount Corruption, because it was so full of idol worship. It was no longer set aside for the worship of God. And so when you read this valley, he takes those ashes, and there's grave sites on both the, the, the hill here and then is the valley as it goes back up into Jerusalem. And so interesting enough, there's some interesting history here, is if when you, you go from Mount Olives to the Eastern Gate, you'll see grave sites. One of the biggest grave sites in front of the Eastern Gate is a Muslim graveyard. Do you know why that is? That's today. I looked it up. I, it's, I don't know how big it is, but it's big enough because the Muslims understand, they call it the prediction or the prophecy of Zechariah 14.4 that says there's a Jewish Messiah coming who's going to plant his feet on Mount Olives and then he's going to head all over through the Eastern Gate. Right, Brother Tom? as the king to establish the kingdom. We know that to be the Christ. They understood that prediction. They've heard about it. So they ended up putting those grave sites in front of the eastern gate for a reason. The reason for that is because when the, they don't want, they know that no Jewish leader would ever go through a grave, graveyard, number one, to defile himself, and number two, certainly not a Muslim grave site. So they're, they're aware of this prediction that the, the king is coming from Mount Olives to go through the eastern gate and then into the, to establish himself in Mount Jerusalem, into Jerusalem. And so they put those grave sites there. It's very interesting stuff of why they're doing it. And they, they, they said that they figured they could stop the prophecy by putting dead Muslims in front of the eastern gate. That's a fact. Now, the next section of this Jew is a Jewish cemetery. It's on the other side of the valley. It's where the kings are buried and the prophets. And so as you go down the val into the valley of Kidron, as you go down in from Mount uh, Corruption, as it's called, the, the, the real estate value declines. So the, the more important people are buried up here, and the lesser people here are the more common people. 
But it, in Jesus' day, when you were into the Valley of Kidron, there was a, there was a uh, garbage dump in that area. You know what the name of that garbage dump was? Thank you. Good. Gehenna. Jesus used that visual every time he talked about hell. There are four terms for hell. Hades, uh, Sheol, Tardis, and Gehenna. Jesus used Gehenna as the visual when he talked to his people. Now, remember, it's in Kidron, in that area. And he says, this is what hell is like. And he says, it's hot, and it never goes out. And that's what was, in that day, that's what that, fi- that fire never went out, and it was just burning all the time. And so he used that visual. So the Valley of Kidron and, is important in history. And, and some of the things that were used, especially by Jesus, as he used that visual of Gehenna in the Valley of Kidron. So with all that said, we got a couple more minutes. Just a little bit of a history lesson there for us. So Josiah desecrated those graves, and we all know that pagans, even pagans, don't want their graves messed with. I mean, the worst thing you can do is go spray paint a grave. Some kid go over there and start. You just, you don't see that, do you? Isn't that interesting? They'll spray paint everything around them, but they won't spray paint a cemetery. Why is that? Because they even know. Hey, don't mess with graves. But they did. He did because he was sending a loud and clear message. Okay, the zombies, yeah. And he broke down the houses of the Sodomites. Hmm. So, that were by the house of the Lord where the woman, women wove hangings for the grove. There's your, there's your interpretation of what a grove is. It's a banner. So, the, these were the hangings. They... They would put them up there and they'd say, hey, worship Baal, worship Ashtaroth, and they're listed here in, in uh, Kings. But then again, he breaks down the houses of the Sodomites. So he knew where these people were having twisted, perverted sex. Now, the reason for that is because the worship of Baal involved sexual perversion. It's just plan out men, not just men, but women gave their bodies like prostitutes over for the worship of Baal. Now, this stuff was happening in the Old Testament. We think, it's happening today. It's happening widespread. I mean, I think most of us are pretty isolated from what's really going on. We know it from a topical in general. But, man, some of these cities are out of control. And, and you see now the agenda happening, the theology of the devil happening, sweeping America as they promote and cram down our, our throats and and they want every moment of the day, they want you to say, accept it. Because if you don't accept it, you're a racist, you're a bigot, and you hate. So transgenderism is sweeping our nation. Perversion like we've never seen in just the last few years. It just happened just like that. This stuff was taken on like nothing. This was normal. This was accepted behavior back in the day by God's people. Okay, that's the thing. This is sodomites. It's not just gay homosexuality. And he, he says, man, this has got to stop. He shuts down the, the sexual perversion of his day like he shut down the other things. And so he gets rid of the sexual perversion in his land and the worship of veil involving male and female prostitution. Now, we'll close on this, but in 1 in uh, uh, and 2 uh, Corinthians, 
Paul deals with the same thing. These folks, there's no different. They get saved out of sin and a, a, a lifestyle that's really uh, wicked, and then Paul has to deal and try to teach them about the God who's holy and righteous and true and wants them to live a life that's acceptable. And so in the process, when you read Corinthians, what do you read often? Your body's a temple of the Holy Ghost. If, you're, if you fornicate with it, then you become one with them, and you do more damage to your soul. He, he goes into that, and you're reading that, and he goes, well, what, what's he really getting at? These folks were worshiping Diana, which involved prostitution, the same thing as worship of Baal, just under a different name, this time Diana. They were given their bodies over, and some were going in and participating, and they were in the church. And Paul said, stop it. This is unholy, and you can't have that unholiness in the, you know, in the body because a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. And so Paul addresses that. So that, again, nothing new under the sun. Do you think America's having this problem right now in the local church? But, but it's getting to the point people are not going to get married anymore. It's really true. It, it, the, the marriage, it doesn't work. They already are. <laughs> That's the truth. There's a stat out there. There's more people living together than people getting married. That's the new stat. That's what I heard about two years ago. It's no different. And then it's just, oh, I don't like that partner. I just move on to the next. And by the way, I don't like her. I'm going to go to him. Or I don't know if it's a him or her. I'm going to go to it. <laughs> this is not I'm, not, I'm not being sarcastic. This is crazy stuff what we're going on. I'm shaking my head like him, her. I went, right before I left, we were getting rid of pronouns before I left the business. We're getting rid of pronouns. It's, it's not him or her. It's they or them. We're getting sued. Every day I was getting a lawsuit. As a, as a business leader, because somebody was calling a her a her, and the her said I'm a him, and wa and wanted to felt like they were violated or harassed, and so they filed a lawsuit. Our HR department was going nuts, but again, maybe that's a form of judgment. But that was taking place here, and he said enough is enough. We got to get this out of the land. So I'm going to stop there because there's so much more that we're going to cover it, that's relatable to what we deal with here in our own lives and in America. So with that, let's go to the Lord in prayer, okay? Heavenly Father, thank you for this time of, of Scripture, the time of the teaching of your word. May, dear God, the Holy Spirit give us understanding, give us insight and, 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 and conviction about what we need to do as a people beginning first with hum humbling ourselves and making sure that we're doing right before thee. May God give us the strength to do that and help us, Lord, to always be compassionate and merciful, but understanding that we live in a world that is opposed to thee. May God, you grant us uh, a blessing and, and your strength as the word of God is preached in the worship hour. May Christ be lifted up and all be drawn to him. As we ask this in Christ's name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.